Hey guys, and welcome to episode 15 of The Dreamer's Disease. My name is Alex Manzi, and on each episode, we hear the story of someone inspirational who's really out in the world and following their passions. So if that sounds like something that you're doing, or you know, you're someone who just wants to develop yourself and become a better person, then you're definitely in the right place right now. I can't believe it's been 15 episodes already. Episode one literally seems like it was just around the corner. On this episode, I'm joined by the very inspiring Jeremiah Emanuel, who is an entrepreneur youth activist and supports young people and their futures. And we had a very, very interesting chat. He spoke about how he started out when he was just four years old, how growing up in a rough area of London really inspired him to do good in his life. Um, And he talked about some of the work he's done with brands such as Nando's, Virgin, Radio One, Disturbing London, Rolls Royce, etc., etc. The list goes on and on and on. And Jeremiah's story is so incredible that he's even been awarded by the Queen, which is just amazing for someone who's literally only just turned 18 and it's just it it, it honestly blows my mind but the hard work and the passion he has really comes through so before we jump into the episode i just want to thank you guys for listening all of you have subscribed on itunes or soundcloud and if you're looking for a little bit of daily inspiration you can head over to instagram at the underscore dreams disease and check out all the motivational quotes and inspirational images that are up there and what would be even more amazing is if you could leave reviews on itunes so i could really get a feel for what you guys think of the episodes what you're liking what you know who you'd like to see etc etc so right now let's jump straight in and hear jeremiah's story hey guys so on this week's episode, I'm joined by the very amazing Jeremiah Emmanuel, B-E-M. Jeez. Got them three letters. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. When, when did that happen? Um, that happened at the beginning of the year. Um, do you want to hear the story? Yeah, go for it. Um, so I was literally in the studio and then I got a call from my mum and she must have been like, Jeremiah, are you in trouble? Have you done something? Then I'm asking her like, mum, what, what are you talking about? And then she said, um, there's a letter from the cabinet office and it said urgent and like something about um, the person who's receiving it has to open it. But I was thinking, why would I have a, a letter from the cabinet office? You yeah. know what I mean? So I rushed home and then we opened it together. And then everyone who receives an honour from the Queen, they get like a letter from the head of the civil service and the prime minister asking for permission to forward their name onto the Queen's like during the honours list. So that's how I found out literally two weeks before the new year. And then it was announced on the 31st of December. So, yeah. Wow. Shocking, yeah. Yeah, crazy. And it's like, yeah, you hear so many stories of people who get those letters and they're like, Mm. I don't know what it's going to be. And then you open it and it's like, wow. So I think um, Jamal Edwards' story Mm. is very similar. He's like, he got the letter and he didn't know what it was going to be. And then he opens it Mm. and you're kind of like, gasp, because you're like, oh my God. Proper, bro basically being called up by the Queen, essentially. Um, Crazy. It's mad. So I've written down a, lo- a list of things that you you do slash have done. And it, it's already a pretty long list and I'm pretty sure everything's not in it, right? So if I've missed anything out, jump in. Yeah, okay? you know, so definitely. Jeremiah is an anti-violence campaigner, mm. a youth activist. He's been a member of youth parliament, the deputy young mayor of Lambeth at the age of 13. You set up the Radio 1 and 1 Extra Youth Council. Yep. That will help set it up. Um, you were a sergeant in the Army Cadet Force. Yeah, I was a sergeant major. Sergeant major. <laughs> Got a promotion. Uh, you received Queen's Honor, which we just spoke about. You've just recently done a project with Nando's. Yeah. Uh, you've set up your own, I don't know what you want to call it, company, isn't your charity, One Big Community. Yeah. Uh, you once saved the stab victim. Yeah. Uh, all of that, and you just turned 18. Yeah. Plus, I've left stuff out. <laughs> Probably to add, um, I founded my own consultancy enterprise yes. called EMNL. So EMNL stands for Empowering and Motivating the Next Generation of Leaders. So that's where like the whole Radio 1 Youth Council comes in and the stuff that I do with Nando's. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm an A&R at a music publishing company. So um, I A&R at a company called Imitep, um, and it was founded by Tiny Temple about two years ago. Um, and yeah, we're a joint venture with Sony ATV. Mm. Some of our acts include the amazing Nana Rogues. Nana made Passion Fruit for Drake and yeah. Girls Like for Tiny. And um, we've also got Notes, um, Addison Lee and Aladdin. And we've got Callie, an amazing songwriter um, that we also work with, slash producer. So yeah. So you do a lot of stuff, basically. A lot of stuff. So, so normally, right, 
I introduce people on this by saying, can you tell people a little, about who, a, bit, a little bit about who you are and what you do? How would you sum that yourself up within like a couple of sentences? Okay. Um, I am an entrepreneur, youth activist and change maker. I believe in supporting young people and supporting our futures. And I'm all about youth empowerment. Nice. And where did this journey start? So at the age of four, I actively became involved in like my community and getting involved with like youth programs and so on. So my mum's a youth worker and she encouraged me and my older siblings to get involved in her work. So at the beginning, it was literally tagging along, like going to her youth projects and campaigning with her. But um, at that time, we joined a foundation called the Nelson Mandela School Foundation. Um, and it was a group that advocated and campaigned for local secondary schools to be built in deprived areas. So I'm from Brixton, and in Brixton at that time, 14 years ago, you know, there, there weren't a lot of high-achieving schools, like, um, in terms of percentages and, and all of that, in terms of everyone getting 5A stars to see, um, the amount that you needed to get into college, it was really, really hard to find good schools. Um, so back then they wanted to build like academies and schools like that. So this foundation wanted to build a school called Nelson Mandela School in Brixton. Um, and we joined their campaign. So at the age of four, I was actively involved. Like we were holding banners, like campaigning on the streets, um, lobbying in parliament. I had the opportunity to like write to my local MP. Back then it was a guy called Keith Hill, I think his name was. Um, so yeah, literally involved with that for about four years, five years. Um, I continued to be active with like the projects my mum was running. And then we got involved in a music school. So as you can probably tell from a lot of the things that I do, I have a great passion for music. Um, my first opportunity to get involved with like the sort of industry was at this music school, um, the Jonas Music Foundation. So at the age of eight, um, I had an opportunity to start learning different musical instruments, um, you know, do, testing for like grades and stuff. So I learned how to play piano, drum kit, violin and a recorder. Everyone learned the recorder in primary standard, school. Yeah. So it's standard. But um, yeah, I had an opportunity to do it in this music school. And then a hidden secret that not a lot of people know, I actually used to sing like a long time ago. So a part of this foundation, we had like a community choir. Um, so I got involved in that. Um, and we used to like go into intensive care units at Christmas to sing to like the patients. Um, I had an opportunity to like tour Switzerland with the foundation and we went to like hospices and up to the mountains to like sing. And we were in CBBC Glee Club, an old show on CBBC. Sky One must be the music, BBC Choir of the Year. We literally done loads. But um, that was the sort of community work and activism I was involved with. Um, and in following on, at 11, I joined the UK Youth Parliament. I was a young selected member. Um, within that role, I basically became a part of this massive group of young people from across the UK, all actively involved in representing young people from their communities. Um, and once a year, we would take over the House of Commons, so the green benches where the MPs would sit. So I had the opportunity to do that, I think, about two or three times over the years. Um, and as a member of UK Youth Parliament, you had to basically represent all the views of young people in your area. Um, so I had the honour of doing that for 80,000 young people. And it was the best experience ever. I loved politics. Like from a young age, I used to sit down and then watch the news all the time, every single day. I do it up till now. Every single day you can catch me being in the loop of like current affairs and watching the news and stuff. Um, and when I was 10 years old, my local MP, who saw my local MP, Chuka Amuna. Chuka used to go to my primary school. So when I was in like year five or year six, I was probably in year five, car in, in the assemblies, if you were in year six, you got to sit on a bench. But I sat on the floor. So I was probably in year five. Um, and Chuka came in to speak to us and talk about his journey and leaving a primary school and so on. And I was just so interested in everything he was saying. He was talking about decision making and communities and I think at that time Labour were probably in power if I'm correct if I can't yeah they, Labour were probably in power back then as well so I was so intrigued and from there I kind of had this passion for politics so I'd done the UK Youth Parliament till I was about 12 um 13 
And then at the age of 13, I decided to run for the young mayor of Lambeth. Um, I came in second place, so I became the deputy. Um, and that was more like localised and local based. So rather than, you know, focusing on the whole of the UK, I was focusing on Lambeth, the borough that I'm from. Yeah. Um, and yeah, within that role, you get a fund of £25,000 to um, give out to your local community. So because I was previously on a panel for that and also the deputy young mayor, over that three-year period, with the help of like my colleagues and everyone else that was involved, we distributed about £75,000 to wow. like our local community. So people would apply for like the fund and then we would like literally review everything, we'll interview them and then we would select the final um, selection. So yeah, that was the greatest experience. Um, and then yeah, at 13, like up to about 13, there was a huge issue in my community, youth violence. Mm. And it affected everyone. Um, you know, you would know someone who knew someone who had passed away or someone's sister or cousin or something. And then the time it basically hit closest to home was when a friend and like an older from the area passed away. Um, and it hit me hard, not only because it hit me, but because I saw the massive impact that I had on everyone around yeah, me. Yeah, of course, yeah. I was like, raw, this is crazy. And it was so close to home. Like, to think that you could be with someone, like, all the time and they're, like, older, so you look up to them and, you know, everyone knows each other. And the communities that I'm from, everyone's, like, so intertwined together. Like, yeah. you, know, you know everyone. So, for me, it just hit so close to home. So because I felt like I had a responsibility being a youth mayor, um, I kind of just thought, what can be done to almost look at this issue? Because I thought, with youth violence, a lot of, like, there's so many great organisations tackling it. But I feel, especially with government, um, do you know when it comes to youth violence, it's almost like a blame game, like, oh, whose fault is it? And I feel a lot of the time, young people feel uncomfortable to work with certain, like, groups because... You know, they think the finger's being pointed at them and, yeah. you know, the talk about gangs and crime and everything, it can deter people away from having serious conversations. So I, I almost wanted to change that. I, I wanted to look into this issue without having people that were directly affected not want to work with me. Mm. So by doing that, it was almost creating conversations, building up com conversations and breaking up barriers. Um so in terms of Wambi community, I received a lot of help from loads of different organisations. I had some great mentors who basically helped me put everything together. Yeah. Um, and there was a group, I would say the elite team. <laughs> I thank God for all of their lives. Like um, a lot of people I still work with up till today, but it was the best team of young people, I would say, hands down yeah. from across the UK. So um, Wambi community, done loads of different community projects and stuff. Um, and I was just amazed to see how far it came. I was so grateful. Every single person knows who they were that supported. There's so many names to name, but mm. I'm so grateful up till now for everyone that really got involved and just helped, you know, get the ball rolling. It's not easy setting up like a, a project or organisation mm. or anything. Um, so that was one big community from the age of 13. Um, and then um, due to all the community work that I've been doing since the age of four, and then one me community and like the youth mayor stuff, I received a Radio One Teen Hero Award. Yeah. So Radio One every single year have something called the Teen Awards. Um and it's basically to recognise, you know, youth culture across the UK, to recognise maybe the best artist or the best actress or actor. But they have three special awards to commend young people who have been through certain adversities yeah. or who have contributed to their community or fundraise. So I had the honour of receiving one of those awards. Um, and that was when I was 14. And what was your award for? My award was for my contribution to my local community, okay. actively engaging with young people in my community and setting up one big community. Yeah. The way I found out, I was leading an assembly in my school. Basically, my head of year randomly said, um, we want you to talk to everyone about what you do, talk about all the projects you've been involved with. So I remember I went up to speak in assembly. Then I look in the audience and my mum's sitting in the audience. Yeah. I'm thinking, why is my mum in my school assembly? <laughs> but I didn't want to react. Yeah. So obviously I'm looking at my mum like, Whoa, like, what are you doing here? So I continued the assembly. Five minutes later, some guy in a dark black hoodie just walks into my assembly. 
five or six cameras behind him, loads of people walking. I'm thinking, what's going on? Someone says, is that Jeremiah? When I look up, it's tiny temper in my school assembly. I couldn't believe it. I was in year yeah. 10. Wow. I was just literally doing an assembly. And then that's the stuff that I see in Blue Peter. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Literally, they surprise people in schools or whatever. That's what I grew up on, watching. So I couldn't believe it was me. Yeah. So Tiny came up with a gold envelope with Radio 1 mic in his hand. Um, and he was live on air to Nick, who was back in the studio. Yeah, wow. And then it was like a massive gold invitation saying that, I would collect the award in front of 10,000 people at Wembley Arena um, the following week. <laughs> so I couldn't believe it. I was in so much like shock. And, and you had no idea up until no that point? No idea. Wow. The reason you know I had no idea, yeah, I'm always on point. <laughs> that day, I had no trim. <laughs> no trim at all. My hair was a bit mad. So even when you look at the pictures yeah. now, you can see that haircut. Yeah. So you know for a fact yeah. I didn't know. I, well, I was going to say, luckily it was radio, but they filmed it, didn't they, as well? <laughs> they filmed it. It was on BBC Three. So those were the good days, by the way. But it was on BBC Three. So yeah, like I literally had no idea whatsoever. Yeah. Um. So literally after that, a week later, I collected my award in front of 10,000 people at Wembley Arena. I could not believe it. The day before I got to spend the day with Nick Grimshaw and Rita Ora, um, Grimmy up till today, you know, I'm so in touch with him. We mm. catch up whenever we see each other. Rita, an amazing individual you met. So we spent a whole day with them for like rehearsals um, because they host like the awards. And then the following day, yeah, Greg James and Retri too gave me my award on stage. I found out my prize would be to go to like the Drake shows at the O2. Um, yeah, like it was just crazy. Yeah. Um. On that day as well, I went. So basically, after I picked up my award, we done like an interview for Blue Peter. That was on Raw. Um. We we got taken to like a dressing room. We heard oh someone wants to meet us. So the Radio One team took us downstairs backstage. Yeah. So we got to this room. There was two bodyguards outside of the room. So I was thinking, who are we about to see? When I walk into the room, there's another four. I don't even think I'm over-exaggerating. I think, like, four bodyguards or, like, four henchmen yeah. like, inside the room. Then the, there was this lady, like, casually in the middle, and then she came up to us, like, hi, guys, like, you're amazing, duh, duh, duh. great to meet you, giving us advice and stuff. And then the other teen hero who was with me basically said, yeah, like, I was listening to your music this morning as well, like, I, I just love you so much, but I had no idea who it was. Cool. <laughs> to play it cool. <laughs> so I played it cool. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but I literally went home after the Tina Awards. I typed in her name. Don't I see like a billion views on a video and I no. find out it's Taylor Swift. No. I didn't even know who it was. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, I met her. We took photos. I met, I met up with Tiny as well. Um, but yeah, it was the craziest experience. Like, it's mad and it seems to me that a lot of things that you've done since then have been born out of those moments. Yeah, Obviously, definitely. You've, the youth council that you've helped set mm. up for uh, Radio 1 and 1 Extra, like you've already mentioned working alongside Tiny, yeah. Tiny at his, um, his company. Publishing, yeah. So starting with the youth council. Yeah, so the youth council, following the Teen Awards in 2014, the year after, um, basically I just spoke to the Radio 1 team and... I loved the way how in that year, I created a relationship with Tiny. He supported me. I had the opportunity to do work experience at his label. So I used to like stay in touch with Radio One and like keep them up to date with everything. And then they said together with me, like in that year gap, there needs to be something done for young people. Mm. So basically they said to me, you know what, to start it up and whatever, we want you to join the judging panel at the Teen Awards. So I became the first like ever young person to join yeah. the panel. So on my year, we had Rizzle Kicks, we had Connor Maynard, Professor Green, um, all the Radio 1 DJs, and then we basically selected the teen heroes. So after I had that opportunity, I was like, you know what, I'm actually just one teen hero out mm. of the dozens that have gone through this process. And I'm one of a million young people that listen to the radio station. Um, so I basically just said, I would love to sit down with the head of Region 1, Big Boss Ben, Ben Cooper, and basically just give him a few ideas mm. on ways to connect with young people. Yeah. And not a lot of people get time with 
big Ben Cooper, do they? He's a, he's a very hard man to get a meeting from, with. So. From what I've heard, no. Really? But, um, okay. yeah, Ben, honestly, a great a great person, and I'm going to go into that. So, um, yeah, basically, I got a meeting in with Ben. I remember the first time I had a meeting, I totally forgot. Like, it was the following day in my diary. Mm. And these times, like, life got hectic, so I started using a diary and stuff to put things in, but somehow I missed, like, communicated it. Then I got an email and a call from Radio 1, an amazing lady called Limla, and she basically said, Jeremiah, Ben's waiting for you in the meeting room. Like, yeah, are you close? Like, how long are you going to be? Meanwhile, this was half an hour after I was meant to be in the oh. building. I couldn't believe it. I was so embarrassed on the phone. I apologised profoundly I was just like I'm so sorry um, and I had another opportunity to meet him so this time before the meeting the night before the meeting I asked myself a question what am I going to speak to Ben Cooper about yeah I didn't have the, the answer to that question so I think it was like 11 p.m before like an 8 a.m meeting literally sat in my room I got like a notepad and pen which I still have up till today from 2014 and I wrote down a list of loads of different ideas. And then after writing the list, I jumped to my laptop and then wrote everything down and put it into a PowerPoint presentation. Mm. So the following day, I bought, bought along my laptop. It was like half broken, cracked somewhere else. And then I remember just putting up the PowerPoint and showing it to Ben. Um, and then one of the ideas that stood out to him was the Radio 1 Youth Council. Yeah. Due to my work with the Lambeth Youth Council and like the UK Youth Parliament and all of that, I kind of put together a model for like a similar kind of group of young people to come to the station to discuss ways that Radio 1 can engage with their target audience yeah. and to also like generate ideas and stuff. So after pitching that idea, Ben really liked it. And then he went away to like speak to a couple of people. I was like patiently waiting for a couple of weeks. And then I was at my boy's house and I received a call. Um, and it was someone called Angie Pitt. Mm-hmm. Um, Angie back then was the outreach manager. And she basically told me, Jeremiah, good news. Um, I'm, I'm pleased to announce you're now the founder of the first ever Radio 1 Youth Council. Wow. Nice. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I was like, even the way I look now is is exactly the, the, the face I had. Like I was just so baffled. Um, so yeah, we both went away. Ben had like his annual press conference and he announced yeah. it. Um, and then we got like, into like the BBC and the Independent. And then for the next few months, the outreach team basically gathered a list of names from people from work, work experience to internships to outreach programmes. And they picked like 12 young people from across the UK to join the Youth Council. So with that, we had um, loads of different young people, basically all interested in radio, amazing people that were brought together. Um, and yeah, the Youth Council was great. It's still running up till today. Our first sort of cohort has finished our terms. Um, but it was incredible, you know, giving advice to Radio 1 from live events yeah. to shows to content to things they can do with young people to having certain members of the Youth Council actually participate in TV adverts. Yeah. Um, Jaguar was like a, a main actor in one of the adverts and I remember it came on after The Voice or Strictly or something yeah. and then everyone saw it wow. on it and then a few other people done like the voiceovers for that and then we have a lot of people who had no kind of connection with the BBC who now actually work here. So we've got a few people who are like assistant producers, a few people that are temps, a few people that are presenters. Mm. So it's just been incredible being wow. able to like go through that process and then seeing where everyone's kind of gone to. Yeah. So it after. seems like it's, it's benefited everyone who was part of the council yeah, as definitely. well as the kind of work that they've done. And how often were, were the, the youth council so called they, together to oh, come yeah, up with to, ideas to and talk, talk through things? They would meet quarterly. So in between that time, everyone was paired up with an executive. So they had loads of different people who were the heads of this or the heads of that that would mentor them. So Ben Cooper became my mentor. So up till now, me and Ben always catch up and just have meetings and stuff. And that was mad beneficial for me because um, I didn't even understand the extent of wisdom that this guy could have. But Ben Mm. has literally crafted a lot of me, definitely. But it was the same with everyone else. People were teamed up with like the head of live events or the head of marketing. And um, 
they they all had a good time with their mentors. So seeing all of this basically led me in the future up till now to set up my own consultancy business. Yeah. So we'll go over it in detail a bit later, but just the whole structure of the youth council basically gave me a light bulb moment and I went away and created like a model to go into loads of different companies and do the exact same thing. Yeah, amazing. Because what, what I find really impressive about the youth council is that you've got a big, you know, corporate brand like Radio 1, One Extra, and they're empowering these younger guys, the youth, to to come up with ideas and, and have input into how things are run and the kind of content and everything that they're coming up with, which is amazing because not a lot of big companies do that, particularly as big as like the BBC, for example, you know, you don't get much bigger, I don't think. So like for me, it's really powerful. And the fact that you've kind of managed to pull that all together and be the, the kind of anchor to it all is, you know, it's a huge testament to you and kind of the work that you Thank do. You. And like you said, you know, the results of it are not only through the work that Radio 1 and One Extra doing as a whole, but also the people on the council are now, mm. you know, having, getting jobs out of it and getting work and doing things that they love, which is great. Yeah, it's been incredible to be able to piece that together from an 11 p.m. night sitting in my bedroom. <laughs> you know, I've still got the pieces of paper somewhere. Amazing. I cleaned up my room the other day, so I must find them. But frame it. you got to frame it. <laughs> it was like a couple Sign of weeks ago. Sign it and frame ago. it, yeah. <laughs> A couple of weeks ago, honestly, I just came across them. I was like, "Raw, like this, this is where the youth council came from." Wow! So yeah, that's amazing. And so, j- jumping onto the work you do with Tiny, I'm yeah. guessing it's a very similar capacity in the terms of it being like a consultancy kind of role with him and working with his publishing company. Yeah. How did that what initially come about? So after the Teen Awards, Tiny stayed in touch with like me and my family. Um, and he's just such a humble individual, him and the whole team around him. Um, and it's quite family-based as well, his team. So everyone stayed in contact with me and we continued talking and I met up with a few people. Um, and then, yeah, from there, the relationship kind of blossomed and naturally, you know, just progressed forward. So for me to meeting him at the Teen Awards, to go into certain functions with him or go into events, and then being invited to the work experience. Um, back then, I wanted to do everything. Back then, I wanted to produce, I wanted to rap. I used to do a lot of poetry. Um, what else? I wanted to direct, like film. So I had all of these things that I wanted to do, but Tiny didn't like push me away and say, oh, you're doing too much. They gave me the opportunity to, to basically explore all of the different things that I wanted to do. So I had the opportunity to film like a short film for WizKid that I produced. So in terms of producing it, I had to get like the whole team together, mm. had to like put my vision down on paper um, and then we made it happen. So we filmed WizKid on his tour back in 2014. And I've been able to, I've almost grown as a person as well. And along the years I've seen them kind of just double, even three times double in terms of size. Yeah. So, um, yes, that's how like the relationship started. In terms of my role now, I was kind of just hanging around, getting involved with anything. Um, but the thing that was best suited to me was kind of this A&R thing. So in terms of A&R and finding talent, developing them and then signing them to the label. Mm-hmm. So um, that was like the main thing I was doing and I had a great passion for creating opportunities and getting people to the right places. And I think at the beginning, I, I didn't really have that gift, but it was almost, you know, listening to things and knowing whether or not that's going to be like a hit or what what could a producer add to the beat or what sort of changes could a writer make. So I started learning how to kind of master that. I'm still not there. I'm still learning. But um, I had the opportunity to basically become an A&R over there. Yeah. Um, so it was, it's been an incredible experience so far. It's been a few months. Um, but yeah, I've had the opportunity to work with loads of different acts, dozens of acts, get them into studio, work with them, try and develop sounds, um, and then see who we can basically work with at the music publishing. So mm. it's been incredible, incredible over there. Amazing. And and what things have you have you found you've learned from the two different experiences there? You know, the the really kind of 
corporate side of things with you know Radio One One Extra to a more kind of startup company in disturbing London and you know what Tiny does with his work. What key things have you you learned either side? So in terms of Radio One, I learned how to not be scared of approaching massive companies. Mm. I think when I was younger, you would look at certain companies and you you just look away. Like what one thing I kind of realized is when you hit the ages of sixteen to seventeen and you think about a part-time job, you're gonna think about, you know, retail and restaurants and, and, and hospitality. You're never gonna look at an organization like the BBC or ITV or whatever else um, mm. there, there may be and then think about work. Probably not till after you finish your degree or whatever, you know yeah. what I mean? So from Radio One, I learned how to basically turn the blind eye to that and think about it as a land of opportunities and how can I get loads of young people to work with these sorts of companies? Because at the end of the day, you look at them like a big, big bully in not that the BBC is bad, but as a big, big bully that you won't look them in their eyes almost. Mm. But if you look closely... It's like intimidating, eyes, isn't it? Yeah, intimidating. Yeah. It's intimidating. But when you look at them closely in their eyes, I'm talking about the BBC, they're like a, a soft little chubby bunny. You know what I mean? So honestly... Um, that's the attitude that I had with all of these companies where up to my, to my consultancy now, we're working, we've worked with the likes of like Rolls Royce. Um, I'm working with Nando's at the moment. I've worked with a massive digital marketing agency called AKQA. So I've worked with all of these companies now. But before, you could never even see me approaching these guys talking about connecting with young people. Mm. So that's what I've learned with Radio 1. Don't be scared. Don't be intimidated learn a lot because if you look at the structure of the company look at all the different departments all the different roles and whatever you can kind of learn teamwork and the other thing i learned from region one you can't always be a leader that's what ben cooper told me because i was doing a lot of leadership stuff and youth politics and representing people all the time i was kind of in this mindset that yeah i'm gonna be an entrepreneur i'm gonna build things for myself i'm gonna lead the team i'm gonna um, guide people and uh, advise them on what to do what what Ben said to me one time is sometimes you can't always be the leader and I think up to that point I didn't actually realise it but even now where I'm working with this charity for like two days a week an amazing charity called Big Change um, founded by like Holly Branson and Sam and um, friends and stuff like, where, whereas I'm working there two days a week and getting involved with that um, I'm kind of starting to learn that you can learn so much from other people, mm. especially when other people are leading you, because there's so much like wisdom and understanding and knowledge you can get from all of these people. Yeah. So it's so, so important. Um, so those are the two things that I learned from Radio 1. Don't be intimidated on massive companies. And sometimes you have to work your way up and you have to start at the bottom and you have to learn from other people. Sometimes you can't always be the leader. You can't always be number one. Yeah. So that's what I learned from Radio 1. In terms of this Sterling London, Imitet, Tiny, I learned how to be humble. So, so important to be humble. If you're not humble, you're not going to go nowhere. If you don't have humility and you don't have understanding of being grateful and supporting other people and being thankful for what other people do for you, because honestly, the position that I'm in today hasn't made me alone. From when I was four years old and my mum was kicking me to get involved with all of this stuff, to when friends were encouraging me to get involved in youth politics, to when I had this incredible team that motivated me and, and all worked together and done so much work to build up one big community, to the business that I run now, I've learned, you can't do it. There's no I in team, you can't do it alone. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I learned that the most of Disturbing London, because I've seen now the success that Tiny's had, he's had seven number ones, he's, he's sold millions of records, and I've seen that. And... In him, like I see someone who I normally see in my community where I'm from, my sort of demographic, you know what I mean? That's a role model for me. But to see him come from where I started, for example, to achieve global success, the same with the team, the same with Dumi. Dumi, incredible mentor, incredible human being who has guided me and showed me a lot about business, put me in... Don't, don't think it's all happy days. Sometimes I'll be put in my place and be told like you need to do this better or you need to approach it from a different viewpoint yeah. you know what I mean so from the Serb London I would say a family environment 
I would say learning core values like being humble, having humility, being brave and courageous. Um, and basically their work ethic is crazy. Like from when, for example, the Seven London had a residency in IB for 15 weeks throughout the whole summer. Every single Friday, they were flying out to Ibiza to do a show. You know what I mean? When I see things like that, I I don't even question what I can maybe achieve in my life. If I put in all of that hard work, I would say both Radio 1 and the Seven London and Imitep have just basically helped me sculpt my life together and helped me understand what I want to do and how I want to do it and where I want to be. So... I've learned a lot from both groups mm. and I'm so, so grateful to have had the opportunity to mix with both and to have a supportive family around me from both groups as well. Yeah, well, it's interesting because you, you spoke a lot about, you know, people with kind of more experience and, you know, more years behind them who have helped you along the way. And that kind of theme keeps coming up with people in terms of mentors and, you know, you know, coaches or everyone to call them who are helping people to sort of mould their careers and yeah. their lives and stuff like that. And it, it's a very important thing that I think more people should do and seek. Um, but like from, from your point of view, what are the kind of the biggest factors holding back young black kids from fulfilling their potentials? I think, I think for starters, there's almost like the cycle that you have to go to school and then college and then university and then apply for a graduate job and then go through this whole career for your whole entire life. And in terms of that, I think it's 50-50 because, you know, the world we live in today, not everyone can be that entrepreneur, not everyone can be that footballer or that athlete or that rapper, you know what I mean? But because we've been stuck in this system, it's kind of guided things in loads of different ways and made almost like a massive divide where certain people want to go down that route and then other people want to give up on that route and then try and blow for something else. Mm. So I think that's the first thing, that, that whole systematic kind of process that we're almost born into. Um, well, people from my area, I can speak for, for people from my area, my community and saying that. Um, I think the mentality is that you can't achieve. You, you can't go to certain places. You can't be the best. Um, and I think it goes down to stereotypes, it goes down to the way that young black men are treated, it goes down to society as a whole. Mm. Even though we've moved on from years and years of discrimination and racism, it still exists. Like when I recently went on my trip to the US, I realised that I totally forgot that racism existed. Like not that I didn't believe it was there, but it wasn't until I went there, like I landed in Virginia like two days after the whole Charlottesville incident. Yeah, I wow. felt the tension in the air. I was mm. in Washington. I went New York, Philadelphia. I'm seeing like a massive divide in America. And then it kind of made me relate back to the ends and back to London and the UK and realising that it still exists. So I think all of these factors just allow people to, to believe, oh, I can't be the best, so I can't grind, mm. or I can't get to this certain place. Yeah. And a lot of people think let me just do the easier way out. Let me find ways of like making quick money of being the best of impressing people. Da, da, da. And that's a mentality that a lot of people hold. I've mm. had that mentality before. There'll be certain times I'm grinding, 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 doing the work that I'm doing. I'm not seeing no results from it. But mm. the only reason that I have that drive to continue is because I'm seeing that effect that it has on other people. Yeah. Also, time plays a, a big part on, on seeing those results, doesn't it? It's yeah, 100%. Not, nothing's going to be instant. It's not like Instagram, you whack up a picture and you're going to get the likes. It's like, 150%. you have to put in those hours and those work, that it's work like, rate. To, it's to, like the Radio 1 Youth Council. Yeah, yeah. I founded that in 2014. My next project after that, in terms of my consultancy business, was 2016. Yeah. So... That's like a whole two years for me to actually understand. Like I had to sit on the youth council and be a part of this process before I could then say, you know what, I want to go and start my own business and do this with other companies. I could even say I've, the past seven years, since I was 11 in the UK Youth Parliament, back then we were advising organisations, we were sitting down on focus groups, going over different ideas. A whole seven years before I thought I could make a business out of it. <laughs> Time plays... Time has a part to play in all of this. And I feel that has a, a part to play in terms of mentalities. You know, again, there's been times I've seen ways of making quick money or people are making quick money other ways, not necessarily illegal, but maybe just ways of gaining revenue or maybe doing 
a quick job or maybe invest my time into other things so I could have quick money yeah. or be stable. But honestly, there were times that I didn't even want to apply for like a part-time job because I saw this dream and this vision and I knew that if I continue grinding and putting all of my hours into this thing, I can make something from it. And because I broke out of that mentality, that's the only reason why I have been able to go out and create a business or, or an enterprise. Yeah. Me. And I think, you know, if, for me, like the whole point of dreamers disease, the dreamers disease to me is people who sit back and just rest on their dreams and they don't act on them because like you said that is the easy way out mm. and eventually that eats you up inside because you end up doing a job or some work that you're not necessarily that passionate about that yeah. you're doing just to to earn your living rather than actually going out of your way and doing something that you can do to yeah. feed yourself in terms of the passion and the love you have for it which is you know you know, like what you do. You're hundred percent. You know, you're fully involved in it and it's fully your life. It's not just a, it's not just work for you. Um so what can we do or what can be done to encourage kids or youth or whoever to, to go and follow their dreams more? I think it's it's about self belief. Jamal Edwards wrote a, a book with that title and honestly I start by that title in terms of reflecting on my life and doing what I do. So self, self-belief, self what is self-belief? It's almost believing that you can achieve whatever you want to achieve, but not necessarily comparing it to the path of the other person. I feel with a lot of people that want to achieve, they'll look at other people and then try and like compare that to their lives. Oh, this person's doing what I want to do. Oh, how can I be like them? Oh, they got this or they got that. Why is this? Why is that? And I feel that when people get stuck in that mentality, yeah, they almost forget that they have their own path and their own dreams. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think when it comes to your own dreams, keep it to yourself. But it's almost a thing where you have to believe it can be done. That's the first thing. If you don't believe you can be in a position that you're dreaming of being in, how are you going to get to that position? Exactly, yeah. Honestly, there's certain... All right, cool. Let me, let, me, let me give you an example, yeah. In terms of EMNL consultancy, yeah. On and on and on and on again, people are telling me, why don't you go into companies and make a living off of this? Yeah. Not only would you be making money and generating income, you're giving young people the opportunity to get into these companies that they will never have access to. So why can't you do that? So I've had loads of people say all of this to me, yeah? And I didn't listen to any of them. Um, and then when I finally had the confidence to do it, I remember I, I I got a database of like loads of different CEOs and I I basically found out a strategy of basically contacting them. So email marketing, just basically writing a brief proposal what I want to do in their company and sending it over to them. Cool. So I sent it to a few companies and then I started getting a bit tired. Like no one's replying to me. Did mm. it? Then one of my closest friends, Daryl, shout out Daryl because he's a life changer. Literally, Daryl said to me. Bro, like, I remember he was in my house. Like, I framed, like, a letter from the Prime Minister. I received an award in 2015 called the Points of Light Award. So we were sitting in my house um, looking at this photo. So when he's gone away now, he said, Bro, like, you've got a letter from the Prime Minister in your house. Like, you've achieved all of this stuff in your short years on this earth, but you're shook to send an email to a CEO. <laughs> it's only going to be, they're not going to respond, or yes. Yeah. But if you don't send it, it's going to be a no because yeah. you're not even doing it in the first place. So I was like, oh, but bro, did it, did like, did it. But I was making excuses and he was like, no, bro, like, you need to do it. Try it, try it. I came across this email in particular. It was the CEO of Rolls Royce. I was thinking, there's no way this guy's going to reply to me. I called him back. I was like, bro, I've got this email, but there's no way this guy's going to reply to me. He was like, no, Jeremiah, like, you need to go, like, da 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 you need to try, da 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 I was like, cool. Did I not send the email? And the next day, the CEO of Rolls Royce replied back to me. Wow. And that was until I believed. Yeah. You know that belief? Yeah. That actually try, actually believe it will come. After I've sent maybe 10, 15 emails already, no responses. Yeah. But because I believe and I believe and I keep on going, that 16th email... I get a response. Imagine how I didn't send that email. Yeah, exactly. You, you know what I mean? It would have been a no either way, like you said. So in terms of achieving your dreams, that's the first thing, self-belief. The second thing is actions. Mm. You're not going to get to your dreams if you don't put in any actions. One thing I say when I speak in a lot of places to close 
is change is a word, but we need it to become an action. Mm. Hopefully one day it can be on one of those, you know, those photos yeah. with the quotes and stuff, yeah. hopefully. So maybe I'll make one for you. Yeah, make one for you. Thank make... you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so change is a word, but we need it to become an action. So if I break it down, change, everyone talks about change. Everyone talks about doing different things. But it's just a word. A lot of people just talk. They just say that word, but they don't actually create any actions to make anything happen. Imagine if everyone that talks about change actually put in actions. So in terms of achieving your dreams, how can you achieve your dreams if you constantly say, yeah, I want to be in this place, but you don't put any actions forward to actually achieving it? Mm. It doesn't make sense. You know, we hear about belief. We hear about confidence, drive, motivation, enthusiasm. We hear about all of these factors in, in terms of getting to your dreams. But certain people don't even pick up a pen to write a plan. Certain people don't even maybe make a plan for six months or 12 months. How am I going to achieve this certain thing? Certain people have an idea. They they might not even put together a business plan that they can simply put together. There's so many actions you can take to achieving your dreams. It might be as simple as contacting someone saying, I'm really interested in the work you're doing. I would love to shadow you for a day. Mm. Simple things like that. I've made half of the money that yeah. I've made in my life through emails yeah. you know what I mean and there's, and there's a lot of good people out in the world who if a they lot. do get a message out exactly. they'll respond, they're gonna respond. they'll be more than 150%. happy 150% there's loads of people on my social media I'll get messages I'll get snapchats I'll get um, emails I always respond mm. do you know why I respond because I've seen the kindness of other people in this world to actually do that with me and respond back to me I've made it my duty to respond to every single person. At times, I'm not going to lie, it'll be long. Like The, the response I'll have to make it might even be like a two-page document. Certain people will ask me, oh, how can I get to this career? Um, what sorts of places can I go to? How can I get media, music, business? I'll make sure every single person, person mm. even if it takes a week to get back to them, I'll get back to them. So I think it's important. If I can do that, and I've... I would say, even in terms of my potential and reaching my potential, I'll probably, this is what I say to a lot of people. Normally I say I've reached 1% of my attention, um, potential. With everything that I've done, I've only done 1%. But I think that's pushing it now. Maybe if I upgrade it to 10% or 15%, <laughs> yeah. I've reached about 15% of my potential. Yeah. So if I'm someone who doesn't believe I'm fully there yet, but I can still pick up an email and respond to someone. Someone who is definitely there will pick up an email and respond to someone because they'll feel it's their duty to. You know what I mean? Mm. So in terms of chasing your dreams, self-belief, putting in actions, um, and I would just say reflecting and thinking and putting in the work and meaning it. If you want it, you have to want it. You know what I mean? You have to desire it. It has to be... That it has to burn when you think about that dream you want to achieve. You know what I mean? So if you don't have that drive and that passion and that energy, yeah, it's not going to work. You know what I mean? You need to have to do it for the love and not for the money. Exactly, for the love and not for the money. 150%, yeah. If you think about things from a money perspective, yeah, no matter how rich you can get off of it, yeah, in the end, when you think about your life, if you fully ask yourself, am I happy? Am I com- comfortable? The answer will be no. If anyone objects to that, you can at me on my Twitter, at JE1BC. 150%, yeah. I have not met one person who has done this thing for money and they're actually happy. Yeah. If you think about the greatest entrepreneurs on this earth right now, we can talk about Elon Musk. We can talk about Richard Branson. We can talk about all of these people yeah, they done it for love. They done it because they had groundbreaking ideas. They wanted to change the world around them. They wanted to be the best. They wanted their idea to be on the top. Mm. They do that out of love. Steve Jobs, he he built Apple out of love. That was his love. Yeah. His love was to be the best. It wasn't about money. Of course, at times you're a businessman. You're gonna have to think about money mm. at some point. You know what I mean? But the beginnings, the roots, it wasn't because of money, it was because they loved the idea, they wanted to make something from it. So if you want to achieve your dreams, don't think about money. Don't think about salary. Don't think about earning a certain thing, reaching a certain place, you know what I mean? It's important. That's amazing. I think, do you know what? I think that's an, an amazing note to, to almost end things on. So I have got a few more questions, but I think that message is very powerful and it's something that a lot of people should take note of 
I'm certainly trying to take more note of it, like myself. Um, and it's something that, you know, hopefully through listening to you and other episodes of this podcast, people can kind of take that message out of it because chasing your dreams is one thing, but making sure you're doing something that you love is a completely different thing. Because everyone can be like, I want to be a footballer. Mm. But do you want to be a footballer because you're going to be rich or do you want to be a footballer because you really love playing football? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like 100%. some people will do it for the wrong reason. So um, got two more questions for you. So the first one, if we had to roll back the time to a younger version of yourself, so let's let's go with the 11-year-old Jeremiah. Okay, can you give yourself three bits of advice of things to start doing and one bit of advice to stop doing? Things to start doing, start revising every single day. Because, as you can imagine, you're doing a million and one things you're gaining because in between all of that time I've told um, you guys about everything that I've done or achieved in between that time I was doing work experience in a dozen different places I was going to youth projects I was going after school club doing loads of different things so literally my life was so fastly paced from the age of 11 so what I would tell myself is to focus on education it's so 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 important secondly what to do more watch more inspirational people and listen to them because even though I was in a loop of like, and I had role models and stuff, up till now, like where I would sit down and I might listen to an interview or a TED talk or whatever, I feel that if I'd done that from the age of 11, mm. I would have so much knowledge. Like the amount of things that I've learned from just listening to other people and listening to their stories and their journeys and stuff. Oh, it's just incredible. Um, a third thing, I would probably tell myself to keep believing the reason I say that, there were certain times where I, I would say I was at my lowest point where I just didn't want to do any of the things I was doing. And I was just lose belief, like, honestly, in what I was doing in the world around me and continuing and progressing. I just wanted to be maybe just like a normal individual again. I was tired of it. Like It's happened so many different times. The reason it's changed now is because the last time it happened probably when I was 15 or 16, I literally just came to a realisation that I had to keep believing. If I told myself that from the age of 11, God knows where I would be, <laughs> you know what I mean? But honestly, to just keep going, to keep pushing, that you're, you, you know you're going to come across obstacles and low points in your life, but if you keep on pushing and never lose hope or faith, you'll get to wherever you want to go to. Yeah. One thing I would tell myself to stop doing or to do less of is to focus on myself a bit more and to focus less on pleasing or helping other people. My life has revolved around helping others. Like my mum used to tell me, you always need to help those who may be less fortunate than you or those who are more fortunate than you. She said there's certain people in the world that are going to be much well off than you, but there's certain things you can contribute to a person's life that they'll never experience from anyone else. So I would feel definitely that it's so, so important to help others. But sometimes when you help others so much, you forget about yourself. You forget that you're a human being, that you have human problems. There's certain problems that I've come across in my life and, and issues that, that you might even like see on a soap opera or whatever. But that's because I totally forgot I was a human being and that things like that would happen. You know what I mean? Certain times I was just so low and I had enough of doing everything I was doing. I just wanted to quit. I wanted to give up. So it's so, so important to focus on yourself as well, to focus on your well-being, your mental health, your physical health, focus on you. That includes things from education to relationships to, to yeah, your relationships with like friends and if you want a girlfriend or whatever, you know what I mean? But it's literally focusing on yourself. Focusing on yourself also includes focusing on your family. Yeah. Focus on the ones around you. Like I regret at times a lot of the things that I was set up or the things I was doing, I wouldn't really involve my family as much. And it was just a thing where people would see from the out, out outlook um, that I'm doing whatever I'm doing, but I never really involved them. And it just naturally yeah. became that. But when I was younger, I remember it was like the whole family getting involved with things. So, um, yeah, I would say focus on myself. Yeah. I would what, tell myself. What things do you do now to, to help? improve those areas you mentioned like your mental health your well-being your physical health relationships 
Cool. In terms of mental health, um, having times where you can reflect in a silent place, not necessarily meditate, but just be yourself, like get away from the noise. There will be certain times, thank God my phone battery will just die and that's the happiest time. Sometimes it's a nightmare, obviously, but sometimes I'm so happy. I remember when I went to the US for two weeks, I, I done like a tour of the East Coast. It was like an exchange trip. So I started in Washington, went to New York, Philadelphia, Baltimore, and Chesapeake Bay. So literally when I was out there, I didn't have a phone charger converter, so I could only use other people's chargers. <laughs> but it was so great that I was hardly on my phone. Like the amount of reflection I had just being away from social media, being away from other people, talking to people all the time. Like there was even a certain point I would literally wake up and then go on WhatsApp and the only thing that I see is maybe someone asking for a favour yeah. or someone saying, can you do this for me or can you do this or that? And it didn't make sense. So in terms of mental health, it's been those moments where I can really reflect and just focus. And I'm a Christian as well, so I believe in like connecting with God and just focusing and having your own quiet, safe space. In terms of physical health, just being um, um, looking after yourself, making sure you're doing whatever you need to be doing. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I haven't been going to the gym. It's so, so important. After I came back from America, I kind of went a bit chubby and mm. gained a lot of weight. So it's my own fault. But I'm not going to contradict what I'm saying. But literally, even things like, things like going in the gym, things like that are so, so important um, for to keep your blood flowing and, and to just keep things going. You know what I mean? You need to be physically fit. In terms of relationships, um, in life, especially when you kind of progress and everything you're doing, um, you'll notice that the circle around you changes. For me, I've learned that throughout my whole life. Not that anything I've done has been big, 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 but it's like from the younger days where I would start to go into youth politics and stuff, my circle started to change. And then as I was growing older with the organisations or or doing whatever I was doing, my circle became smaller, or even at times it will get bigger again, or yeah. smaller, you know what I mean? So in terms of personal relationships, I just think it's important to realise who's really there for you, and who's real, and genuine, and honest, and down to earth, it's so, 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 so important, and I didn't want to have to learn that the hard way, so I was grateful that I've been able to learn that now, and balance it. As you can imagine, sometimes I, I do have a social life, by the way, so no one think that I just work 24-7. I still go out with my friends, I go party or whatever, but I, I, I almost have to be vigilant a, a lot now. I, I need to make sure I'm in the right places, that I'm not in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, but yeah, my relationships with people are still 100. I still have my, my tightly knit circle. And for people that aren't really in my circle anymore, I still to stay in touch with the people that were there from the beginning. Yeah. So it's so, so important. In terms of relationships, relationships, Lord. Uh, no, just any related, like friendships, family relationships. Oh, no, know, I was, I was going to go personal relationships. Out there that I'm, I'm a bit single. Oh. You know what I mean? I was just going to put that out there. But um, yeah, honestly, it's so, so important to have a massive balance. Like, honestly, if you don't have a good balance, it goes wrong. Yeah. Um, a guy called Heron who I met through Wambi Community when it first started, he kind of had like office space next to our office. And then he almost told me about this book he was writing and he was talking about a balance. He said a balance that you had to have was a 33% balance with your work, 33% balance with um, your physical self and then 33 um, spiritual. So he would say whether or not you're religious or not religious, spiritual might be meditating or just having alone time. Physical would be going to the gym and staying fit and then work would be your work. But if you have that perfect balance, it kind of all just works mm. in favour of each other. So I'm not saying you work eight hours a day, go and do eight hours in the gym and then another eight hours praying in church. I'm not saying that. I literally just mean that you, you have that correct balance. So um, I'm basically saying don't work, you know, 20 hours and have four hours sleep. Yeah. Maybe if you have like a long day of 10 hours, make sure you have like five hours in to, to focus on spiritual and physical, you know what I mean? Mm. So it's so, so important to have yeah. a balance. Yeah, balance is key to, to life in general, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's amazing. Like I, I try to stick to like a morning routine of mm. waking up, 
having some quiet time, like meditating or just breathing exercises, mm. write some stuff down. I write five things every day that I'm grateful for. Oh, amazing. Um, and then go to the gym. And then by the time I come back to the gym, I'm energized, I'm feeling good, have some breakfast, mm. jump in the shower, then I start, start my work day. And that's all before like 9 a.m. So it's like, I feel like it's very like important to have that, Definitely. That balance. I think doing it in the morning has a massive physical benefit to it. it sets you up for the day in the best way possible. But yeah, so to wrap up, I've got one final question, and that is what would be your ultimate happiness goal? My ultimate happiness would be when my whole family is happy. I know that might be cliche, or like, I don't know if anyone said that before, but it's like I need to be in a position where I'm good if everyone else is good. I've seen the way that we struggled, you know what I mean? The way my mum's raised me. My dad passed away when I was quite young. My mum literally held it down for the whole family, mm. got us through everything, sacrificed a lot for us, yeah. you know what I mean? So seeing all that she's done, all that the family has done to support me, my only happiness will be when they're truly happy. Yep. And I know a lot of people say, can you only get happiness through success or when you reach a certain amount of money or whatever? That might not be the case. It might be the case that Hope, God willing, one day I'm a millionaire. Um, I might be happy. It might be that I earn thirty thousand pounds a year, um, doing a a job for someone else. But I'm so happy. You know what I mean. Mm. But when I reach that happiness, that'll be my happiness. But if everyone else has that same sort of happiness, yeah. where they're comfortable in life, they love what they're doing, then yeah, like I'm blessed. Like I'm good. Like that's what I want it to be. That's why I'll honestly be happy. Mm. I can. I. I don't. Even someone asked me the other day, like, um, are you happy with everything you've been doing? A random guy that I just met, we done a documentary for my boy Hussein. Hussein's another guy you need to get on there. I'm just, I'm throwing it out there, loads of different names. But my friend Hussein, he's about to go into space next year. Oh, well. man aware. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Hussein basically had a documentary he was filming and then I met this other guy who was featuring it, featuring in it alongside us. And then after we spoke about what we've done, he literally said, are you happy with everything you're doing? And then it looked a bit weird, but I said to him, I'm not sure, you know, mm. that's actually a deep question. Mm. Like, honestly, honestly, God, like, when, when I think about everything I'm doing now, of course I'm happy that I can change the lives of other people, I can support people, I, I'm, I'm doing the job that I've always wanted to do. I'm working with charities, I'm doing activism, I'm even about to do like a first aid campaign, all of these different things that I'm interested in, you know what I mean? In terms of me being happy, I had to double ask myself, am I actually happy? And I wouldn't say the answer is no, but I had to reflect on it and mm. think on it. So if I can still not just outgoingly say, yes, I'm happy, there's obviously a problem. Mm. And that problem for me, I feel is, is that, I can only be happy if everyone else is happy. Yeah. Which is, yeah, it's a good thing and a bad thing, I think, because you're then, it's then dependent on their situations rather than what you're doing for them. See what I mean? Yeah, but that's why we're in it together, definitely. Like, the thing I, I basically learned is put everyone in it together. Not necessarily that like, my mum's my business partner or my brother works alongside me or whatever, but it's like make everyone a part of it. Let yeah. everyone be a part of that journey they might get their happiness from me being happy, then I can be happy. Mm. You know what I mean? So I'm not necessarily saying that I now need to earn enough money so I can retire everyone in my family. But maybe at some point, everyone's just happy with what I'm doing. That's when I can be happy, when I can see that everyone's happy with everything I'm doing. Mm. So again, there's different levels of happiness. Could be someone who earns a million pounds tomorrow. Could be someone who's doing the job that they love you know what I mean but there's loads of different levels of happiness yeah. sick well thanks for the time man it's been it's been really great and there's lots of great stuff in there but thank you before we wrap up can you let the people know where they can find you online and keep up to date with your movements cool you can find me online on Instagram at je1bc repeat it again je1bc you can find me on twitter at je1bc you can find me on snapchat at je1bc facebook.com slash je1bc i'm seeing a theme so um yeah everything's je1bc um and yeah you can find me on all of those um handles in terms of what i'm about to do 
um, continuing work with EMNL, ANR in work. I'm about to do a first aid campaign, which I've been plotting to do since the honours at the beginning of the year, but it does take a lot of time and planning. Um, and yeah, just continuing activism. I've been working with loads of different charities, loads of different young people. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll see where everything goes. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying everything yeah, at the moment. Everything's fun. Everything's good. That's good, man. It's important. And, you know, I, I think your work speaks for itself in the sense of, you know, not only do you empower young people, but you help people, you learn from people, you team up with people, you know, you do everything in the kind of best way possible from, you know, the way that, you know, someone should kind of go around their work and their life. So... I mean, that's a huge testament to you and Thank you, to your mother for raising you that way. Yeah, it was from, my mum, From man. that four-year-old. That discipline was important. <laughs> or... um, but yeah, man, thanks for the time. It's been it's been great. And, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing all of the projects that you've got coming up, coming to Thank fruition. You. And yeah, man. Yeah, a few are top secrets. So I'll tell you off. Yeah, yeah, you let me know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, safe. So there we have it, guys. That's Jeremiah's story. And I just want to pick up on one thing he said which is change is a word, but it needs to become an action. And that sentence there is powerful in itself. So if you're someone who's listening and you want to follow a passion of yours, be it photography, be it yoga, be it becoming a chef, be it becoming a lawyer, whatever it is, go and make that thing happen. Make that change become an action in your life and go and follow that. Keep chasing the dream. Go out there and really make sure you're working towards that goal so thanks again for listening as ever you can hit me up on twitter at i am alex manzi let me know your thoughts or if you've got a friend who you think might benefit from hearing jeremiah's story or getting some some wisdom and inspiration from it then make sure you share it with them and make sure you're sending them this so they can listen and gain something from it but most of all as i said let's go out there and make sure you chase those dreams